Is COVID-19 the incumbent politician's best friend? Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits movement for the week of April 6, 2020. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. Around the world, the new coronavirus has halted important protest movements. In Hong Kong, where large-scale protests raged last year, the streets are silent after the government has banned gatherings of more than four people. In Algeria, where a protest movement ousted a 20-year president and was noisily demanding term limits and other political reforms, the streets, too, are now empty. In Washington, D.C., the genuine need for assistance from people locked out of work has allowed politicians to open the spending spigot, rewarding special interests with early Christmas presents unrelated to the pandemic. Lastly, around the states, our legislators are shuttering their doors and windows right in the middle of the busiest legislative season. What has this done to the effort to pass state applications for the Term Limits Convention? For some answers, we turn to Nick Tompolides, Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits. Hey, Nick. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. I don't even know what time it is anymore. It's just the uh-huh. days in the corona era are just blurring together at this right. point. In your bunker with the windows shut, the door shut. I have sprayed hyper-disinfecting hand sanitizer on all of my windows, and I'm currently uh, wrapped in toilet paper like a mummy. (laughs) All right. Well, Nick, seriously, I I think that uh, for all of our activists and all of our donors, I think we need to have a frank discussion um, about the state of the tournaments movement in the wake of this virus crisis. You know, we started out this year with tremendous optimism, and we have a solid team in place, and we had a, a, a strategy to secure multiple state calls for the tournaments convention. And uh, then this thing hits, right? First, let's start out with some uh, health details. Is everybody okay? How many people are there that work with U.S. tournaments, and how's everybody doing? We have about 15 full-timers throughout the country and so far i have not heard any indications that anyone is having any health issues right now um thank god i mean health issues that are not pre-existing you know we've got some um right some family members of of employees who are going through a difficult time right now but that's not related to the coronavirus and most of us of course are working from home and even you and i are not actually in the same room although it might sound like it Why'd you have to pull back the curtain and expose the business like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just into transparency, that's all. Into okay. being honest and forthright with our constituency, unlike members of the U.S. Congress, that's all. <laughs> yeah, well, so far, you know, fingers crossed, everyone has been well. Uh, most people are at home. Most people are working on their computers, working from their right. phones, calling legislators, you know, 24-7. Because the elections have not been canceled, the 2020 elections for state legislatures. They have been postponed in a lot of states, um, four states at least that were active in um, Indiana, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, have all delayed their primaries by a month. Some of them have delayed it from late April into June or May into June. But we're trying to see the upside of that. What that means is it's an opportunity for our folks and our volunteers and our activists to get with candidates and ask them to sign the term limits pledge. We've now got more time to ask candidates to sign the term limits pledge. Um, And, you know, we need to get those asks in before the election because 
after an election, what happens to politicians? They disappear faster than Carol Baskin's husband. So we've got to sink our claws into them right now. Now is the time, and we've got an expanded opportunity. So our folks are calling legislators. We're talking to them. I'm personally calling legislators. I've been making phone calls into the state of Kentucky to get pledges. Got a couple of those back a few days ago, and I'm following up. And then once you have the pledges, we can go in and we can do voter education, let the people know who the good guys and the bad guys are on term limits. The downside of this clearly has been the shutdown of all these legislatures. Um, We had a bunch of targeted states. I assume that with these legislatures shut and us not being able to talk to legislators and the votes not being held, that we're being shut down for this year on our effort to pass tournaments uh, convention bills. Am I right? For the most part, it looks like there are shutdowns, but they may be temporary. And depending on what the guidelines are coming from the CDC or whoever, there's always a chance that they could reopen later on or, or, you know, run a late session and just push it back by a couple months. So there may be some light at the end of the tunnel for this. There might be, even this year. But yeah, Mm -hmm. but I would not put my eggs in that basket. It's looking like what most states plan to do is just reconvene briefly to focus on the budget, get their budgets done then gavel it out until the next year. We can't know for sure because there's just so much uncertainty right now. Sure. Now, the groundwork that we've laid, first of all, in collecting the pledges from these members of these legislatures around the states, they're still in place. And so all the groundwork that we laid last year for this year's sessions, it's all still here. So it's just a matter of capitalizing on them at a later time. Again, our organization, we don't endorse any candidates, but candidates endorse us, and we Mm -hmm. let the public know who has endorsed this term limits platform. Because when this crisis is over, when these states finally reconvene and they get back to business, we're going to need that core of term limit supporters, that army of elected officials who are willing to go to the mat and fight for this. Right. So legislators can't just vote against it and then hope no one notices because we're going to make sure that people notice because we're going to put that information right in front of voters, as many voters as we can. And we keep ramping up the number of voters we're reaching. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. I'm here with a pledge update. We ask candidates for Congress and candidates for state legislature to sign a pledge that will help us term limit Congress. At present, 70 members of the U.S. Congress have taken a pledge to co-sponsor and support the U.S. Term Limits Amendment of three House terms and two Senate terms and no longer limit. Over 130 non-incumbent candidates that are running for Congress have also signed this pledge this cycle. We have over 300 incumbent state legislators that have pledged to co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. And an additional 300 non-incumbent candidates for state legislature have signed this pledge. If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. I think we're all we're extra motivated too right now because we're all so disgusted by what's happening in Washington D.C. at the moment. It's, it's lighting a fire under everybody to fight harder than ever before for term limits, albeit remotely. Yeah, well, as I mentioned in the intro, in a lot of ways, this uh, virus crisis really empowers incumbent politicians, not just in the U.S. but around the world. And it also empowers another one of our great nemeses, the lobbying industry. Last time there was a big crisis that required bailouts. This is back in 2008 and 2009. 
uh, we saw a 22% growth in the lobbyist industry. And of course, there's more stimulus bills coming. So everybody wants to be positioned to get a piece of that pie. It's disgusting. You could see potentially 2,500, 2,600 new lobbyists getting uh, enrolled to fight for different handouts and carve-outs and loans sure. and all, all kinds of things. They're going to ratchet up the national debt. Uh, we, we don't talk about the national debt that often, but I, I think it's okay to talk about because it is a bipartisan issue. You know, you look at polls and yeah. people across the political spectrum are very concerned about this. And I'm wondering, are we just going to pretend like the country isn't already $24 trillion in debt? <laughs> what is going to happen now with you know all of this new borrowing, all of this new spending? There's going to be a significant drop-off in tax receipts. So revenue to the federal government is going to plummet as a result of the economy being shut down by so many governors, all these executive orders. It's basically illegal to go to work if you're in like a traditional service profession at the moment right now. 50 million people have lost their jobs. So the unemployment rate is going to hit, I guess, 30 percent. It's like Great Depression levels. The entire economy is like collapsing and we're spending this money at an unsustainable pace. But when you look at the package that was just passed by the Senate and the House, it was a $2.2 trillion bailout. And if you divide $2.2 trillion by the population, the $320 million, that should mean every American is getting a check for six grand or over six grand. Is that what's happening? Is every American getting a check for $6,000? Hell no. No, they're getting 1200 bucks. So my question is, where the hell is all the other money going? <laughs> it looks to be one of the biggest congressional heists of all time. You've got $100 billion in there that's going to the hospitals, the medical providers. Nobody's going to argue with that. You know, you've got people dying. You've got people who need supplies, ventilators, testing. Maybe when you, when you see Boeing or a company like that that um, had trouble before, that unrelated to the coronavirus, is in big trouble. And then, of course, they get hit with a double whammy that their, their customers are airlines. You see that they're directly in the line of the virus in some ways, and you shrug your shoulders and say, well, okay – they got a lobbyist that's in there. We got the uh, restaurant industry that has to lay off everybody right now. Okay. A lot of people can see this, how it relates to what's going on in this country. But some of this stuff, like with the worker visas, nothing to do with it. I'm going down the list of some of these giveaways. Uh, $50 oh, yeah. million dollars for the Institute of Museum and Library Services. $75 million for public broadcasting. $88 million for the Peace Corps, $150 million for the National Endowment for the Arts, National Endowment for the Humanities, billion dollars for Amtrak. It just doesn't make any sense and, no. until you start to look at you know, who is being serviced by all of this. Who were the lobbyists fighting for all of this stuff? The Hotel Lodging Association, the Airlines for America, Franchise Association, Travel Association, Restaurant right. Association. Yeah. There is a lobbyist in this bill for every special interest in the world except for the American people. There's nobody standing up in Washington, maybe with the exception of one or two Congress members, fighting to have this money directed to the right areas to actually help And only help the right people. areas. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the wind and solar tax credits made their way in there. Just all this crazy stuff that's that may be worth considering on its own, but it's got nothing to do with it. But everybody's saying yes to everything, and so everybody gets everything they want. James Clyburn. Democratic leader in the House, was quoted as saying, this is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. I think that about sums it up. And of course, their vision is pied in their own pockets. 
Meet Senator Smith. <laughs> you act like a man with something on your mind. Why don't you tell the people the truth for a change? Oh, the truth. The man wants the truth. The, the man, man wants, wants the, the truth. truth. What is the truth, suggesting Pilate, and would not stay for an answer? How do you want it, Senator? Dished out or in a bottle? The people of this country pick up their papers and what do they read? Well, this morning they read that an incompetent clown had arrived in Washington, parading like a member of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who would have been a great help in Washington, D.C. over the last couple of weeks. George Washington. Well, George Washington, indeed. But I'm speaking, I'm thinking of former Senator Tom Coburn um, of Oklahoma. I mentioned in the last podcast that he had just passed away. And I wanted to spend a little more time on him because he was not only a great friend of the tournaments movement, but also the kind of guy that was um, dedicated his career to trying to stop this kind of lobbyist and uh, professional politician-driven largesse to special interests. It was his singular focus of being in the Congress. And he passed away um, at age 72, two weeks ago now, of prostate cancer. He was first elected in 1994, uh, and he left after three terms in 2000. He had pledged that he was only going to be in there for three terms. He spent about five years out of the Congress, went back to his practice as an obstetrician in Oklahoma. And then um, he said that he was sickened by the uh, Bush administration spending binge and ran for the Senate, was elected in 2006, pledged only to serve two terms in the, the Senate. And both of these, I would note, are completely in line these two, uh, three terms in the House, two terms in the Senate, with the U.S. Term Limits Amendment, which he not only was a co-sponsor of, but actually a chief sponsor of for a time. Great guy and such a model for what it means to have integrity as a public leader and to be a statesman. I was reading something about him. He was a senator when Obama was president, and at one point he had a great quote. It was like, Obama's policies? Terrible. I, I disagree with the guy 99% of the time, but you know, we're good friends. We get along. We don't demonize people just because we disagree with them. I'm going to work as hard as I can to get this guy unelected as the president because I disagree with him, but he's still a good friend of mine. You know, I just thought that was such a, a nice sort of, uh, you know, uniquely American uh, thing. That, you know, you, you don't see civility like that in Washington anymore. I ran into Coburn a couple years ago in, um, I think it was New Orleans, and uh, he was given a speech on Article 5, term limits, and I will tell you, he had not lost any of the passion or commitment to term limits that he had when he first started out. Hmm. And up until his dying breath, he was still a fighter. He was still calling for a convention. He actually called this, I think, the fight of his life to try to get the Convention of States passed uh, wow. so that the states could uh, reform the federal government. He was wow. traveling around America. Even though he was sick, he was still traveling, and he was still speaking out about the need to do that and get us back on track. And as you said, you know, back in the 90s, there were a lot of Congress members who signed a pledge saying they would term limit themselves out of office. And uh, as it turned out, a lot of them were full of crap. They faced a lot of pressure to cave into the swamp and break their word. But Coburn never cared. He never bucked under the pressure. He he was a man of integrity. He knew he had a real career to go back to because he was a doctor. He was not dependent on politics for his livelihood. And he kept his word, unlike so many others. It's a devastating loss. It and, um, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Absolutely. Let's hear Senator Coburn's support for term limits from his own lips. This is from the uh, Senate floor. But I have filed an amendment 
which would place term limits on members of Congress. Because you see, the number one requirement right now in this body for most politicians of both sides is get reelected. That's why we're not addressing the real issues. Then what we ought to do is at least do something to secure the future, to say that our own worst tendencies won't be exaggerated in the future by putting term limits on members of Congress. This system is rigged for incumbents. It's totally rigged for incumbents. You know, at one point last year, the approval rating for Congress got down to 8%. You know, Oklahoma had term limits for its members of Congress. Oklahomans believe in it. It's actually an 80, 72 to 80% issue all across the country. Americans believe in it. But the politicians in Washington are never going to vote for it because it puts them second and the country first. And so what, what this place is, is it's a show place. And the downside is is the country suffers. So instead of the greatest deliberative body in the world, what you have in the Senate today is the greatest political body in the world that doesn't care about deliberation, only cares about winning the next election. The American people get it. The question is, what can they do about it? And what you have to do is you gotta eventually have term limits so that we take the inherent bias of the career politician out of the mix and we make it not about the politicians but we return the Senate to about what's in the best interest of the country. And quite frankly, for the last three and a half years, that hadn't been what's been happening in this body. One last anecdote I want to share about Tom Coburn. You know, he was uh, fighting for a term-limited legislature, a citizen legislature, and he made his best effort to stay a citizen even as a member of the Congress. I mean, he was an obstetrician, ran a, a practice, and he tried to continue to uh, deliver babies and remain a doctor even as a member of Congress. Now, of course, that breaks uh, some of the Senate quote-unquote ethics rules, and uh, the members of Congress actually filed complaints about him continuing his business, so they wanted to shut him down for delivering babies. So he, it's not the he first was, time Congress has shut down a business. No, it won't be. No, it was not, and it won't be the last, unfortunately. But that just, I think, shows the kind of man that Tom Coburn was. He believed in a citizen legislature, and he wanted to be a citizen legislator, and that is quite a legacy for any other tournament supporters in the Congress to try to follow. Amen. One thing that separates most state legislatures from Congress is that when you are elected to a state legislature, you are allowed to keep your job, um, so you maintain that connectivity to the private sector. And you're also allowed to primarily live in your district, live at home, or live closer to home than you would if you had to fly thousands of miles to Washington, D.C. And I think maintaining those ties to your constituents is so instrumental. One little glimmer of hope we have now during this current crisis is there's some debate about whether members of Congress will be able to vote remotely. They're saying, well, why don't we make it a temporary thing, vote remotely for 30 days? I say, why not make it a permanent thing? 
why not force members of Congress to live in their damn districts, spend time around the people instead of around these lobbyists and agency heads and bureaucrats and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, fawning little toady staffers all the time. Make them live in their districts so that, you know, they have to go to the grocery store and their constituent can grab them by the jacket and say, hey, why (laughs) the hell did you vote for that piece of junk? Right. And if that were to happen, you would be modifying and fixing a lot of the wrong attitudes you see in Congress. You'd be erasing a lot of the arrogance and elitism that prevails there. Some good ideas like that might come out of this bad situation. Let's hope so. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. It is a tragedy for our nation that professional politicians who do not face significant electoral competition and are so distant, so divorced from the concerns and needs of working Americans that they are at the helm during this current crisis. It's enough to make you sick. America needs term limits on its Congress. You've signed already, I know, but let's get our friends and family to sign the online petition for congressional term limits. Go to termlimits.com slash petition. Copy that webpage address and send it to everyone you know with a note urging them to sign. We'll be back next week. Thank you. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. USTL.